You're listening to the Get Out and Drive podcast with John Custom Car Nerd Meyer and Jason Old Car Guy Car. We'll be bringing you gearheads everything you never wanted to know about cars and why they should be on the road and not in your garage. Are you ready to get out and drive? Get those cars on the road October 2nd, 2022 to celebrate National Get Out and Drive Day. Visit nationalgetoutanddriveday.com for more info. Folks, welcome back to another great episode of the Get Out and Drive podcast. My name is Jason, old car guy, car. I am John, custom car nerd, Meyer. John, you recently came off of a spectacular event from a NASCAR race. Have you ever thought to yourself, what does it take to sit behind the wheel of a race car? I have, because I know I'm getting older. I'm like, let's say just more than 50. Let's go there. And and I, I looked at a lot of the incoming new racers that were at Illinois 300 when we were at the NASCAR race uh, with uh, A.J. Ware. And I'm walking around, I look, and I said, holy cow, it looked like that guy who's in second place doesn't even have a driver's license. And I couldn't believe that they, how, how young they looked to me and how incredible they were driving. And I th- had to stop and think to myself, they got to have experience from somewhere. You got to like move up, like race this car and race a legends car and race a bunch of other different cars to get up and rolling. I've always wanted to know what you got to do because you know, you want to play baseball, you got to hang out with baseball guys. You want to race cars and hang out with race car guys. And that's what Kyle Lockrow has done. We have him today on the show. Thanks for joining us, Kyle. John, Jason, uh, thank you so much for having me tonight. It's a pleasure to be with you. And absolutely, I can give you all the tricks and how to work your way up the ladder because I'm in the midst of doing it right now. <laughs> so, Kyle, for our guests who uh, can't see us, they're just listening to us somewhere, either in their car, on their phone, in their garage, whatever they're doing. But I can mm-hmm. see you and I can see hanging on your wall some Jeff Gordon memorabilia and I can only assume that that was your guy when he was racing. He was. Um, actually, there was a, a precursor to becoming a Gordon fan. I can share that with your viewers. So 1996, 1997, when I found NASCAR and got into it, there were two ways that I got into racing. One was a lot of folks will remember Melling Racing, the famous number nine that Bill Elliott drove for years before he moved on to other ventures. And then the Diamond Ridge number 29 car. They had Turner Network sponsorship for about three or four years in between those two rides. And I grew up watching, thanks to my dad, Scooby-Doo, the Flintstones, the Jetsons, any Hanna-Barbera flavored cartoon. Well, those cars um, had all kinds of Hanna-Barbera characters adorning the sides and the quarter panels and the hood and everything. And that's what really got my interest along with that. And it was mainly the Robert Presley car in 97. Uh, everybody remembers that one because he flipped it at Daytona in the 500. But mm-hmm. it, it got a nice nice view of Scooby as he's flipping down the super stretch. But anyway, um, outside of the cartoon side of it, I had a family friend. Um, his name is Andrew Montag. I went to grade school with his dad and mom, Denny. And Molly, they got me introduced to the NASCAR 98 PlayStation 1 game. And from there, it went on. And then over time, saw Gordon racing Homestead 98, 99. I'm thinking, okay, good looking guy. 
lot of women, good race car driver, perfect person to follow, up and coming, popular in racing, and we were off to the races at that point, literally. Wow. I know I know you can you can tell our listeners who was the first person that you said that you like personally want to seek out and say, look, I see this person, I see what they're doing, and and the first person you were to reach out to to get you on the track to where you are now. Who was that? Unfortunately, he's no longer with us, but it was uh, a driver by the name of Eric McClure. He's famously known for, he was the hefty Reynolds Rap driver in the NASCAR, what was Bush series, then Nationwide, now Xfinity, um, as time went on. But I actually called Morgan McClure shop, his uncle Larry, and his dad, Jerry, and their brothers, and Tim Morgan, their business partner, the old Kodak number four car from the 90s and so on before the team shut down. I called and talked to Eric and inquired, and he was gracious enough to give me the time, let me stay in touch with him, advised me on who to talk to, what routes to take, supported me in any venture I decided to do, and really just stressed to me, just like his mom, Jenny, and his dad, Jerry, said, get an education, focus on a full-time job. Racing is very volatile just due to the economics and the partnerships, whether it's full-time, part-time, et cetera. And he just kept me going on the right path. And it actually got to drive for him at one point on the road course side as I moved up through the ranks. And thanks to him, I got some valuable experience that I've taken into my racing today. You cold called him and then you he was gracious enough to help you, right? Essentially, I became, I was an annoying telemarketer in the middle of the day or after I got out of school as a junior in high school, played high school here locally in town. I called him, cold called, just wanted to inquire about it, figure out how I could do this. Mm -hmm. He really was gracious enough to give me the time and to coach me along as time went on. That is exactly what we push all the time is hang out with race car drivers if you want to race and especially learn with your mouth shut from a mentor. That's that's incredible. You've nailed it. That's that's it's great. I was really lucky to have Eric as a mentor and really a friend too. Um, I didn't get to spend as much time with him as I would have liked. I mean, he was busy chasing his NASCAR career and he had a family. I mean, he had seven daughters and was married for a period of time and had business interests outside of motorsports. So, I mean, he was a very busy individual then with his race team that he started with Hal Martin, his former teammate. He really brought me into that program for a couple of years, let me drive his cars, let me show my ability. And I've stressed since then to give back and to instruct and teach and give young drivers that same courtesy because it's hard to get into the sport. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of stress. It takes a lot of dedication. And if I can help give some motivation and help give that oomph to somebody to get over the hump to do it, I am glad to do it, but I want them to do it the right way. I want them to, to uh, avoid a lot of the hurdles I did. It's great to hear that story of how you got your way in. We hear all the stories from a lot of the big names in NASCAR. You know, we mentioned Jeff Gordon earlier, started out with the uh, go-karts and kind of worked his way up. And a lot of these guys start, you know, young in their teens, as soon as they're able to get behind the wheel, they're on the dirt tracks. You also said it takes money. Sometimes it's money that gets people kids into racing or even adults into racing when they don't even know maybe the first thing about what, you know, how to drive a race car. And sometimes people just are naturals 
uh, you throw them behind the wheel and they can drive the wheels off of it. You know, Cole Trickle, for example, like the idea behind, you know, coming up through the ranks is there's always a story that kind of gets you there. And you said, you know, cold calling, you know, when you were younger to try and get in there and say, you know, listen, this is what I want to do. I want to be able to do this and to have somebody take a chance on you. So I've not heard, uh, you know, that story in the past where someone's actually physically called up, but good on you, uh, because obviously it's gotten you where you are today. You also mentioned about education. Let's talk a little bit about your education and step aside from the racing just for a moment. What is your education and background that leads you to be able to pursue the career in racing that you have? That has been quite an adventure of its own. The importance of the education was something Eric stressed to me, but it was also a promise that I made to my grandmother and my grandfather on my mom's side who are no longer with us. They're from a small town in southwestern Virginia, Big Stone Gap. They had made a movie about it many years ago, but they were from that southwest Virginia area about an hour from Bristol Motor Speedway today. And my grandmother, Peggy, and my grandfather, uh, Eddie, my grandfather had less than a sixth grade education. He dropped out and went to work and worked in the mines and then eventually went to work as a crane operator for many years. And my Grammy was a stay-at-home mom. She had a high school education, but I think believe that's as far as she went as well. I was the first, at least in my lineage, I believe, that actually went and got a four-year degree. And I also got a two-year degree as well. I knew I wanted to do something in motorsports, but I didn't know what it was. The racing didn't start till I was 17. I didn't start driving till I was 17 because of family money and things of that. And I can get into that a little bit later, but the education side of the house really for me was Grammy made me promise to get my education, go get my college diploma, get my associate and or uh, bachelor's degree, which I did both in communication studies. And I promised my papa that I'd at least graduate high school because he has that regret and had that regret that he took to the grave with him that he never did. So he wanted myself and my brother and my cousin to graduate high school. So that was something he wanted us to be better and have more opportunity than let's say he did back in that era. So for me, the importance was getting that education. I started working in logistics a little bit and doing some marketing after I graduated. And slowly I had a friend convince me to go into IT, which is what I do today. So I am an IT computer systems analyst for a government contractor here in Southern Maryland. I work on the Patuxent River Naval Base every day, and I'm one of the lead POCs for one of the program offices on the base. So it's uh, quite an opportunity, and I'm blessed to now have my Security Plus certification through CompTIA and am working toward getting a Windows certification once they finally drop the Windows 11 uh, curriculum out. So I've got aspirations to continue to push my career along with chasing the racing. Sounds like you have your hands full with a, a lot of things going on in your in your brain. And it sounds a lot like you have a really, really good direction on where, where you're headed. I'm trying really, really hard. It's a lot of people probably look at it on the outside. A lot of people tell me I'm crazy. Uh, sleep is something that comes every, probably somebody made a joke last show. I was on a while back every third Thursday. Uh, that's not far from the truth sometimes, but I'll tell you what, I, I strive myself on working hard and 
chasing it. Mom and dad don't have the money to just cut me a check, send me to Charlotte and put me in whatever car I want. I have to be able to support myself and partially I need to be able to fund some of what I want to do and fund the marketing resources to make it happen. I don't have the money to get signed by Aspire out of Charlotte to have some slick haired guy, 5,000 a month represent me to do this. I have to find a lot of sponsors. I have great help with the KLR management group that I help co-own and start. Um, my business partner, Tanya Banning, who has been exceptional to my career. She's been a driving force and helped getting me some opportunities and, and partners that we've honestly just announced a few this week. And we've got a few more announcements coming on some stuff moving forward. So, I mean, we're, we're digging hard and it's just, it takes a lot out of you. It sounds like you have to beat the bushes and, and really put yourself out there. And public relations is a big deal and it is all about marketing marketing you and telling your sponsors how you can make them seen. That's extremely, extremely important. And and the people that don't understand that sometimes just are never going to get it. They they don't understand that you have to just pound forward and sleep is for suckers. And you just go, 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 go. And you're constantly marketing people um, and, and sticking your hand out, you know and saying, you know, I am so-and-so, damn glad to meet you. And, and it works. It really works. And networking is, uh, is, is an incredible tool. So I'm glad to see you're headed in that direction as well. Thank you. It was uh, that Eric Stratton line from Animal House. Uh, Eric Stratton, damn glad to meet you is a true yep. statement. And really in racing or if you're in Hollywood or whatever, you're, you're always hat in hand and mm -hmm. looking for that next opportunity. So that's what we're doing. And I'm going to eventually get to the cup series, whether it's a full-time gig or I make one start just to, to say I got there. I'm, I'm going cup racing. Okay. Let me completely just pull the handbrake on everything and say, thank you for knowing who Eric Stratton is. So I'm just going to say it. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. I am an old soul. Um, I get teased that I am a 32 year old and a 50 year old body. Um, it's, I've always been that way. I've tended Great. to, just I'm different, I guess I'm, I'm odd. So honestly, I know a lot of those old references and I can thank the terrible dad jokes. Thanks to my dad. So it's something I can pass on to kids <laughs> when I have them. So it's perfect. Great. Well, I'm sorry for everyone that comes in contact with you, but you are <laughs> awesome. So let's move on. <laughs> hey, I appreciate that very much. And you know what? I feel sorry for them too, because they're in for a handful and I am an interesting individual. I'm a great representative, but I am something out from behind the wheel. Right. <laughs> so I, we talked about your, <laughs> sorry, I'm still laughing. I got crap going I in my I head. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all the listeners. I think I broke those. I, you, you may, you may have, you may have. <laughs> all right, Jason. <laughs> oh, good thing. Good thing. We got a good editor for this, for this oh. show here. Thanks, Paul. You know, Jason, we sure get to talk a lot. Yes, and some of us more than others. Oh, me? I'm not pointing any fingers. Yes, you are. But we want to hear from our listeners. Just go to our website, getoutanddrive.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click the listener hotline button. We want to hear from you. Cool stories, breakdown stories. Questions, comments. Hate mail. Even hate mail? Even hate mail. You got a car show in your area? Let us know. Tell us an interesting story. Let us know what you like to get out and drive.
Racing Junk is the number one racing and performance marketplace where you can post your racing junk for free. Parts, engines, race cars, trailers, project builds, muscle cars, chassis, tires, and so much more. Buy, sell, trade, and browse on Racing Junk and turn your garage into cash in your pocket or find that next dream on the site built by gearheads for gearheads. And best of all, there's no transaction fees. 100% of what you make through your ad is yours to keep. Speed over to our friends at RacingJunk.com and sign up for a Pro Club membership. Use the code GETOUT to receive a discount when you sign up for a Pro Club membership. Kyle, we talked a little bit about your professional career. We want to talk a lot about your racing career because that's really what we're all about. We want to make sure that we get Kyle Lockrow out there uh, to our listeners who may be uh, maybe they've got an in somewhere in NASCAR that might have the opportunity uh, someday to get you in behind the wheel of a cup car. Um, I, I, I always like to hear the, 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 the big stories, the, what, what is it that you feel is the most representative in racing to you, Kyle Lockrow, that you can say, this was me. I did this. It was a big event. Do you have one of those? And if you do, tell us what it is. I've had a couple of those, to be perfectly honest with you. The most recent one that happened to me was the persistence and the cold calling and knocking on doors. I'm not afraid, as you can probably tell, because I don't shut up. So <laughs> I um, I called and um, inquired with Charlotte Motor Speedway because I wanted to help out with this annual speed street that they do. And they used to do it in downtown Charlotte every year, but this year they happened to move it to the Midway at Speedway during the 600 weekend festivities. And I saw that as a great opportunity to get up in front, tell my story, prove to some of these companies that we've got on the hook that we're discussing partnerships with. I can speak. I'm somebody that can push your brand. I'm somebody that can help get you likes and follows on so- followers on social media. I'm somebody that can tell your story. I'm somebody that is going to push you in the right direction, not going to put you in a negative light in the press. Obviously any press is good press, but there's also that walking, walking that tightrope as well. So I called Charlotte inquired and bugged them, went down there while we were there anyway for the ARCA weekend and chased somebody down and said, look, I want to get on stage. I would like to talk. I would like to help you guys. They had a couple openings. They gave me an opening right after the Xfinity race on Saturday at four o'clock I had a 15-minute spiel that I could go up, do some Q&A with their MC. We started with a small crowd. By the time we got out, we had a very nice crowd that were there, and they seemed very responsive and asked a ton of great questions. And for me to get to do that, a guy that is up and coming, I was the only guy that wasn't in the Cup Series that got to do that. For that, I'm grateful for it, but I'm hoping it leads to bigger and better things. And I've gotten to do a bunch of different signings. I've gotten to test at Charlotte. I've tested at Daytona. I've gotten to do all kinds of different things. I mean, so many opportunities in the sport, whether it's road racing or in NASCAR, that I've just inquired and pushed and been probably borderline annoying, but I know that I can do it and I'm the right guy to do it. I just need somebody to put me up on stage and just let me do my job. Before we started on the podcast today, um, we were talking about all the different types of cars you've ran. Notes here, it says ASA cars, Inex Legends cars, NASCAR late models. It says Champ Car Endurance Racing, 
and the Arkham Menard series cars. Did I cover it all, or have you been? Or have you been in more than that? I've been uh, the Champ Car series. There's a series that is also equivalent to it called Lucky Dog Racing League. I've also done that. Mm-hmm. I've tested NASCAR trucks and everything else you mentioned. I've kind of you kind of hit the nail on the head. And recently, I got to experience what it was like to drive one of those little three-wheeled beer coolers through the Midway at Dover. Um, <laughs> thanks to some friends that we've now met and um, kind of developed a little bit of a personal relationship with, which is kind of cool. So, um, yeah. yeah, I've kind of driven everything. Versatility is everything in racing, and NASCAR is expanding to more road courses, and they're trying to try to shake up the schedule. For me, not having the money to race one thing every week for a season, mm-hmm. I knew that in order to impress the NASCAR officials to get approved for things, I needed to show versatility and I needed to run different tracks, different mileages, different speeds, and to show that jumping into something new, I'm not going to be a hazard. I'm not going to be dangerous, but I'm somebody that I take this seriously and I'm not going to go out and I'm not going to make your series look like a clown show. That's not my job. My job is to be a representative and quite frankly, my job is to go out there and get the best finish I can and go for wins. Yep. Brand representative in a, in a fire suit. I mean, that's, that's exactly what you have to be. That, that is a hundred percent what you have to be. I know everything else is, is fantastic. And I can't believe you've been in that many things so far already. It's 13 years you've been, you've been running and racing. About 13 to 15. There's yeah. honestly, you're pretty accurate. Uh-huh. There were a couple of lean years that I had yeah. to take off, had some personal things going on yeah. and just money wasn't there. So I had to kind of had to take a step back and reevaluate the program and see where we were going, but you're spot on. Yeah. I know we talked a little bit before we started about the legends cars kind of explain to our listeners. If you don't know what a legends car is, what, what it is. And, and my take is it, it's, it's, it's an engine stand with a steering wheel. I mean, it's shaped like a 37 Ford kind of tell us, tell us it, what it's like to be in the seat. I'll be honest with you. I, we were joking before the mics came on, before we went live, just about how evil those cars are. And yes, <laughs> they, they, they do have an evil side to them. I will fully admit that. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it for up and coming drivers. Legends cars can be very evil cars. Um, as we stated before, there's a short wheelbase. There's a lot of torque that's very similar to a NASCAR late model that gets you up off the corner and you've got to learn to control that. But I will tell you that Kevin Yates of Yates racing out of Richmond, Kevin won a lot of races and Kevin taught me a lot. And Kevin is one of the reasons where I'm at, where I'm at. Kevin taught me how to race on the track, but Kevin also taught me how to conduct myself off the track when I got started and Kevin's opportunities in his cars taught me car control that I've carried since then. We can go back and we can talk about influences and influencers in racing on every level for different drivers and different people. And I can go back to when my, my son was very young when the first Cars movie came out. Doc Hudson was trying to teach Lightning McQueen you know, how to race and how to do it. And he says, you've got to turn right to turn left. We're talking dirt track racing to, to take some of that knowledge away from somebody with a vast greater experience than yourself. You've got to be a sponge, no matter what you're doing in life, whether it's racing or whether it's restoration or whatever it happens to be, you need to be a sponge and learn everything that you can, because you'll never know when that piece of experience will need to come out from that little filing cabinet, at the back of your head and give you the the perception 
that you know what you're talking about. And for somebody who's a race car driver, you've got to show them what you're capable of, not just talk the talk. So one of the things that we kind of left out the interactive portion of what it is to learn how to, to, to race cars, late models, legends, whatever it happens to be, today's technology allows us to jump on a computer uh, with, a, with a steering wheel and some pedals and get the feel of racing. Tell us a little bit about what you've done in the past and how you're moving it forward and using that today to teach others. To be perfectly honest with you, it's funny you mentioned the learning to race through the simulation of iRacing. iRacing is great to an extent, but iRacing has limitations. And I don't say that insultingly to anybody from iRacing or anybody that races on it. I commend those guys for the wins and the dedication and the knowledge to set those cars up. But driving on iRacing doesn't mean you're going to be successful in a real car. I had that question posed to me at Charlotte in the Q&A session at Speed Street. And I told him it was 50%. Yes, it's comparable, but 50% not. And the reason I say that is if you look at a lot of guys that struggle going from different car to car, it's because they don't have a very good feel of their car. Daryl Waltrip always said, you drive the car by the seat of your pants. He's not wrong. You have to feel the car. You have to feel it take the set in the corner to know when you can put the throttle back down and start applying it. Coming out of your steering, feeling the car twitch, feel the car make sudden movements, the transition of weight front to rear, rear to front, side to side, side load, body roll, etc. You have to feel that car because then you have to relay that information to your crew chief or your engineers and give them the information that they need to make that car better. Cause let's be realistic. Not every car is perfect. And every time you go on that racetrack with changing track conditions and weather conditions, that car is going to change in a split second. You have to be able to relay that information and you have to be knowledgeable enough and wise enough to adjust your driving style to the changing conditions. But you also have to relay that information to change the car, but not overstep and put yourself out of the ball game and hurt yourself and your team going forward. So it's a juggling act. iRacing does a great job of hand-eye coordination, familiarizing yourself with an unknown facility prior to your first ever arrival or going somewhere you haven't been in a long time or finding a track that's comparable, but it's not 100% foolproof. And just to follow that up, you are doing some online teaching, are you not? You're teaching people how to access that information and use those simulators to gain knowledge basically on certain tracks and and whatnot? I do a combination of actually through simulation, but I actually do a lot of right seat instructing and coaching by headset and also by right seat instruction. I work with an organization out of Chicago called Extreme Experience, where you as the general public or somebody that just wants to check a bucket list, they want to drive a Ferrari, they want to drive a Lamborghini, or they want to drive a Porsche. You come out, I sit right seat with you, coach you around the racetrack, give you a few tips here and there, but it's more of an entertainment experience. The instruction that I do on the NASCAR side, on the road course side, I'm teaching, trying to give you how to get through the corner better, how to do effective braking, how to do effective shifting, how to manage your tires, what to feel in the car. I can't really tell you what to feel. You've got to feel it for yourself, but I can give you an idea of what you should feel. Or if they're driving and I feel something that's not right, I relay that message to them and say, 
okay, do this, make the adjustments here and see if that feels better. You kind of have to push them and nudge them into different directions where they have to get out of their comfort zone, especially if it's for somebody that's just up and coming. But you have to be encouraging to them to say, hey, it's okay to make a mistake. For example, I had a young man last year, 14 years old in a Miata during a NASA event. This kid was phenomenal. Exceptional car control. You can tell he got down on himself easy. It started raining unexpectedly at VIR. He got a little wide because the weather at Oak Tree dropped two tires off coming out of Oak Tree. He dropped his head and was mad at himself. And I said, dude, keep going. I said, keep digging. You didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. We were coming out of in the upper S's. It wasn't raining that hard. We got through NASCAR bend and down coming to Oak Tree. It started raining harder. He didn't have the right tires on it. Nothing that he did wrong. I wasn't upset with him, but I think he's used to guys who don't understand that and don't think about he's young. He's trying to understand it. Mistakes happen. You got to remember just because you're a pro or semi-pro, you're going to screw up too. You're going to wad a car up just that's your day. So you've got to keep the, the expectations realistic, but I try to be realistic and be encouraging. And I try to manage what I'm doing and I try to give them the best experience I can, but make, make it worth their while. I like hearing that you are taking your knowledge and passing it on to the next generation the more up-and-coming drivers and things like that that is exactly what we push all the time is what drives youth y-o-u-t-h and and it's important to us i don't care if you've been driving for 40 years or 13 years or 15 years or 20 years where you're at is because of someone else's knowledge that got passed to you correct absolutely and that's what i talked about you know learning with your mouth shut because to learn, you have no idea what you're doing. Someone else has to say, I crashed doing this. Maybe if you do this differently, you won't crash doing the same thing. And then you take their advice and try it. And I'm glad to see you're giving that information to other people. And that's the most important thing when you're teaching someone is you're going to fail. Not you're an idiot. You're going to fail all the time. But if you don't try anything, you know, you'll, you'll never get further in your career. Jason, to your point earlier, I just thought about this and I'm sorry I didn't say it sooner, but it really didn't pertain at the time. You talked about accomplishments and things that you've gotten to do in your career. You had asked me that question. And there's one more thing I want to bring up. There's a friend of mine, his name's Steve Larson. He's out of the Richmond area. He's become a great friend. And I want to tell this story because this is one of the most rewarding things that's happened to me so far on track and not even in a race. So about a year and change ago, I got asked by some friends to come to the NASA event and be a guest instructor for the one weekend. There was a friend of theirs, Steve, who they'd worked with, and let's just say they didn't mesh well, instructor to student. Steve is a lot like me, as far as just very determined, very hard on himself, wants to get better, and is trying everything he can. I had a little bit of a different teaching style. I got in the car with Steve and I said, all right, first session, show me what you're doing. I'm not going to speak. You show me exactly what you've been doing. And then let's sit down and let's start breaking it down. And we'll go little by little and go from there. He goes out hard on the brakes, locks him up in the corners, needs to get the braking a little bit better, a little erratic with the wheel, heavy car, typical guy that just needs great driver, great car control, just needs to work the kinks out. Okay, cool. Session after session, 
I just worked on hand signals. We came up with a system. I talked to them a little bit. I used the same hand signals I used with the Extreme program, modified them a little bit for Steve, worked on getting him to take a deep breath, relax a little bit. By Sunday, last session, I had him evened out, relaxed, and he went out by himself, soloed for the first time. That was the coolest thing I'd ever done. And I've worked with Steve four times since then, and he's only gotten better and only gotten faster. And now he's moved up to HBDE too. That's pretty good. I like hearing success stories, whether it's firsthand of your own success or helping somebody else succeed, because I'm all for pushing people to do better for themselves and making them feel good about themselves. You don't have to, you don't have to impress anybody. If you can do it for yourself, um, that's one check mark off that, so to speak, bucket list. Uh, that's going to kind of push you forward in the future. Do it for yourself first, then you do it for your career, then you do it for your family, then you do it for whoever. But if you're not satisfying yourself and you're not satisfying that uh, that crave or that urge to do better, you probably will never succeed. Steve was such a nice guy, and he had such a and he has such a good heart, and he was so tight and tense all the time. And he was hard to, to just kind of talk to and hang out with. And the only reason I say that is he was just, he didn't, he wasn't having fun, like you said. And just a couple of weekends working with me, he's kicking back, he's cracking jokes, he's cracking beers, sitting with us, hanging out, shorts, t shirt, and flip flops with a cabana hat on, laughing, joking. I mean, that's a side of Steve I never thought I'd see or any of us would really see. And his son and his wife told me that he's a completely different person at home now. And it made me feel better because he was always stressed out. He's in a stressful career outside of the track. And now he takes a step back, relaxes. He enjoys time with his son. It's helped his relationship at home with him and his wife and his son. And it made me feel good to know that just a few weekends with me and I help the guy's confidence and he enjoys going to the track again. And that's what I want to do. I want to help people have that outlet but I'm glad I could help him outside of it and help him get his life turned back around. Outside of racing on the track, do you have any other car-related interests, hobbies, collections, that type of stuff? Because I know car guys, they they tend to take everything and put it on the wall. (laughs) So um, my Grammy that I mentioned before, um, we started a die-cast collection of, the 164 model NASCAR stock cars. And I have kept that collection going. I used to go to her house on the weekends, watch the races, play with the cars, line them up, race them, announce it as a, as a kid. And for me, that was a weekend. Go watch all the qualifyings, practices, and all the preliminary races in the cup race Sunday. So, and when there wasn't racing on, ones we've recorded, you throw them in the VCR and keep it going because I have nothing better to do on the weekends at that point as a kid. So fast forward, she passed away. I kept the collection going. I've got a spreadsheet on my computer and I've got them organized by year, paint job, everything. I've got about six or seven containers downstairs of 164 scale die casts along with the model transporters as well. Wow. Yep. He's got it. He's, he's got it. He's got, he's He's got got the bug. (laughs) And that's cool, man. Needle in (laughs) that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. 
everybody knows that it, it starts off and it's 97 cents. It's the Hot Wheel car, and you rub it on the carpet, and then you wish you could be in a cup car, and now you're headed in that direction. I know we talked for a bit, and certainly your goals are to race in NASCAR, correct? And and uh, IMSA Sports Car Classic, I mean, the Rolex 24 at Daytona, that's, that would be a huge notch in your belt. So are you, are you meeting people and putting yourself out there to try and head in that direction? Honestly, any opportunity that we can get, I'm trying to put myself in front of the right people and entertain the right corporate enterprises and mom and pops or mid-sized businesses that can support it and we can grow together. Yes, I would love to have your bigger sponsors on to support it and get this thing rolling. But to be honest with you, in the spot that I'm in, small to mid-sized companies can grow with us. And that's the opportunity that we have being in ARCA and uh, just getting into the trucks and doing the amateur road race stuff. The nice thing about Champ Car and Lucky Dog and some of these others, they're amateur versions of IMSA. So I've run 24-hour races. I've run 16 hours. I've run the 14s. I mean, I've run this weekend. I'm headed to Carolina Motorsports Park in South Carolina to do a double, uh, do an eight plus seven, eight Saturday, seven Sunday. So I'm trying to acclimate myself to every situation and be ready. So yes, I'm putting myself in every position possible, entertaining any option and, and trying to introduce myself to anybody that would allow me the opportunity to do something I love. And folks, if you're listening to us right now and uh, you want to get into racing and maybe you've got a garage full of junk, what a better way to get yourself into racing by heading over to racingjunk.com, selling off some of that junk that you've got and buy yourself a ticket to the Speedway, introduce yourself to some race fans and some to, to some racing folks. Get in there, sell your stuff. It's free, racingjunk.com. So talk to us a little bit about giving back to Special Olympics. And we talked about a little off camera, and it is close to your heart, and you love doing it. So tell us about what's happening with that. That started in 2010. I mentioned off camera and off mic that there was a young man when I was uh, back in grade school and kindergarten. I met him through the DC Fire Department Retired Association, the Emerald Society, that my um, dad's father was in through that fire department in DC. And this young man had Down syndrome and I used to play with him. I believe his name was Patrick. Just bear with me. It's been a number of years. Um, And he had downs and I never really understood it. And a lot of kids shied away from him because of, I'm assuming probably because of it, because they didn't understand it. Like a lot of us don't at that age. And so I spent a lot of time with him, but I always felt bad because you could tell there were things he did that he couldn't help, or he was not bullied, let's say, but he was, the kid shied away from him. So he was, I, it tended to just be the two of us. So fast forward about about 14, 15 years later, I was going to school at the College of Southern Maryland to get my associates. And there was a flyer for Best Buddies um, International and Best Buddies of Maryland. And I, that's actually how Special Olympics got started. I pulled the flyer down, called, inquired about it, said I wanted to get involved, was a little hesitant to do it because I was doing the racing and going to school and working a couple jobs. 
I didn't want to do it and not be able to commit to who I was partnered with. I couldn't have gotten a better buddy. His name was Danny, Danny Harmon of Calvert County here in Maryland. His mom actually was a coordinator for Special Olympics for the cat for the local chapter in the county. Almost 13 years later, here we are. She's now retired from that role and COVID kind of changed the game a little bit. There's restrictions with Special Olympics and Danny's not as much involved anymore, but that is kind of what I did there. I helped referee soccer games and volleyball games and helped out with basketball games, just trying to do it because Danny was involved and it was a way to spend time with him. So that's what it was. And through that, I've learned about Down syndrome. I've learned about other illnesses and, and different um, situations that a lot of individuals go through and understand it a little bit better and kind of how you navigate to work with them because it's different. And a lot of their guardians and parents go through a lot. It, it really puts things in perspective for you as well. So it's, it's kind of helped me a lot. Well, one thing I guess that I, I, I really find myself asking uh, all the time, what is your ultimate objective with racing? Where, where do you want to be? Where, where do you want racing to put you two, five, seven, ten 10 years down the road? What, what is it that you want to accomplish? Ultimately, I want to go NASCAR Cup racing. I want to be racing every Sunday, 36 weekends a year, competing for a NASCAR championship at the upper level. I believe I can do it. I believe in my heart that with the right support, I can make this happen. In a couple of years, honestly, I'd like to be dabbling a little bit in Xfinity with a full truck series opportunity, maybe playing with some more road course stuff. In about five years, I'd like to be maybe getting into Cup. It takes a lot. It's not as easy as it was. The cost is going astronomically high for cup racing and just with sponsorship. So I want to do it slowly. I also don't want to rush myself. I've seen a lot of guys that get to cup. It's overwhelming. They struggle. Expectations are high. Results don't pan out. Then they're on the comeback trail. I want to do it right. And hopefully seven years from now, I'm chasing a cup title. And there's nothing wrong with that. And folks, if you're listening to this podcast today and you have anything to do with NASCAR racing, uh, make sure you reach out to Kyle because I know this is the opportunity that he's looking for. I'm not sure it's going to come from the Get Out and Drive podcast, but wouldn't it be great if it did? Uh, we could have Kyle back here in a few years telling us his success story on how he had the drive to you know, ask the questions, reach out, put himself out there and become a NASCAR Cup Series driver. I would love to um, to be able to do that, and I'd love to come back. Um, one other thing I do want to mention real quick, if you don't mind, just to show you how I am with fans, we're doing a fan car experience on the ARCA car at Toledo. I will send that to you guys if you don't mind popping that out. We're doing different levels of experience where you can get your name or the name of somebody or a loved one that's passed on or somebody that – loves racing and has always wanted to ride in a race car on a race car. Uh, we're doing that for the season finale, October 8th at Toledo Speedway. We've still got many spots available. So there's opportunity for us to, uh, to honor a lot of people, get your name out there and let these people live a dream. Excellent. How can our listeners get a hold of you? Uh, now's the time to push all of your social media and uh, mm -hmm. let everybody know how they can make you a star. 
well, the easiest way to get a hold of me is you can uh, reach out to the KLR Management Group LLC, and you can talk to Tanya Banning, who is my uh, marketing director with that, and she handles a lot of the business public relations and marketing inquiries that we get, any media inquiries. We have a Facebook page, Kyle Locker Racing. We have a Twitter handle that's under the management group, KLR Management. If you just look at that, I've got Instagram. I've recently started doing TikToks, um, have a channel there. I do Twitch. I stream a lot of my iRacing on there when I can so people can see it. And when I practice to get ready for events, we've got um we've got a youtube channel locker racing you can see in-car footage you can see foot cameras that i put in because i actually taught myself how to do a heel and toe when i shift um just to protect motors and things like that we we've got um sorry it's just one of those um we've got so many now it's hard to keep track of them <laughs> Um, we've got LinkedIn, um, obviously on the professional side, it's a great way to talk to, um, CEO, CFO, COOs of organizations and show them that we can do this correctly. And we have our professional presence while having the fun of social media. Well, we will make sure that we take all that information and we put it in the show notes for anyone that's listening. You can certainly investigate, uh, more about Kyle Lockro and, if you want to be involved with him and sponsor uh, sponsor him, and I think I think you're going to go places. It, it man, in in just thirteen to fifteen years, I just I can't believe uh, how many places you've gone, and it's a hundred percent because you're just sticking yourself out there. Thank you. It's been um, it's been an adventure, but then I go on my website doing stuff and putting it together, and you know www.kylelocker.com. And I see all the stuff, like you said, that I've done, and I just, it's hard to give it up knowing that I'm so close. Before we end this interview, I've been wanting to try something new. I'm going to, I'm just going to, just going to spring this on John and he may or may not like it. And if he doesn't like it, well, we can just edit it out. I've wanted to do a 10 question lightning round of one word answers for our guest. And just, I'm going to fire them off. And I want you to just kind of throw the first thing that comes out as your answer. And this is kind of how we're going to end the show. Is that okay? Go for it. Let's do it. All right, John, you're all right with that? Give it hell. Okay. <laughs> first question. Who's your favorite driver? Jeff Gordon, Brian Vickers. Who is the best driver of all time? Richard Petty. What's your favorite track? Richmond. What's your favorite series that you've ever raced in? Champ car. What's your daily driver? Honda Civic 2018 six speed. What's the worst car you've ever owned? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mazda six. What's your favorite car of all time? 350Z. What's your favorite holiday? Memorial Day weekend, uh, Sunday, 600, Monaco F1 and Indy 500. Favorite movie? Summer Catch. And last but not least, who's going to win the chase this year? I believe it's going to be Chase Elliott again. Absolutely. That would be my guest too. Thank you so much, Kyle Lockrow, for being a part of the Get Out and Drive podcast. I've had a blast interviewing you, asking all these questions, finding out more about you. Uh, I can't wait to see how far you go. I, will, I, I certainly hope that you, uh, that you reach your dreams. Thank you guys so much. Um, it's been a pleasure. I hope I can come back and do this again with you guys sometime. 
it, it really was an honor. I appreciate just the opportunity to be here. And if you guys get a chance, if you have some time this weekend, we're going to be racing at the Carolina Motorsports Park. The races will be streamed live on YouTube. We'd love to share the link with you and everybody. If you guys can follow along, we'll be in the number 75 BMW. I believe it's C-Class. Um, I don't know if we'll have an in-car camera, but we'll try to get some footage this weekend and would love to have you guys cheering us on from the uh, from afar. I, I would be right there yelling as loud as I can, hoping you hear me. <laughs> Great. Well, cool. Well, thanks for spending some time with us, and we're going to roll. Thank you, guys. All right. Jason, you like cruising around the Internet, just uh, searching for projects that you don't need. you do that? I do. It's probably my second job. It is your second job. I know I get smacked all the time because I've got plenty of projects, and uh, I, I, I secretly still look for things other than the things that are in my driveway. What's wrong with us? I don't know. It's definitely a sickness, but, uh, you know, one of my favorite places to visit is racingjump.com. I go there a lot. I probably shouldn't, but I go there a lot. It's it's like uh, a little little secret hideout. I get really good deals there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry I'm saying this on the podcast. I'm going to let out the secret, but I'm, I'm getting much better deals there than I am on uh, a lot of other websites. Yeah, and not only can you buy and get good deals, but you can also sell your own junk and put money right in your pocket. Yeah, that's right. They don't charge any transaction fees. Just 100% of what I make through my ad, I keep. Absolutely. So if your wife is at you to clean out your garage for spring, you can post all your junk on racingjunk.com. Wow. Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna stop talking now. I'm gonna head out to the garage, and uh, I'll, I'll probably be back in a little bit. But I'm gonna head out and clean up some stuff. I know I've got a ton of stuff to sell. Start making money today. Get out in racingjunk.com. Sell your stuff. Get money. Stick it in your pocket. You know, Jason, I know you're new to the Get Out and Drive podcast. Don't you have something else on YouTube, like every Thursday? Yeah, we have a podcast-style live stream that happens on YouTube called the Car Guy and Six Fan Show. It's myself and Grant Tommy, who goes by Straight Six Fan on YouTube, and we talk a lot about cars, only it's live. If you're not getting enough on the Get Out and Drive podcast, you can head over to the Car Guy and Six Fan Show every Thursday evening at 7 o'clock Central. It's a collaborative effort between myself and Straight Six Fan, so it alternates from my YouTube channel to his every Thursday night. I've been there. It's cool. That's where all the cool guys hang out. It sure is, and we look forward to seeing you again. Are you looking for more action-packed car content? Head over to YouTube for the Car Guy and Six Fan Show on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Find a link in the show notes and let them know you heard about it from the Get Out and Drive podcast. Speed over to our friends at RacingJunk.com and sign up for a Pro Club membership. Use the code GETOUT to receive a discount when you sign up for a Pro Club membership. Cruise on over to our website, getoutanddrive.com, for all the info you never wanted to know about our podcast. 
Hit us up on our listener hotline. Be the first to know what's happening. Get industry news and grab your Get Out and Drive merch. Connect with us on social media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Follow us on Twitter at Get Out and Drive Pod. What drives you? you?